0: body that we get to uh, be a part of. Thank you for the ways that you have blessed uh, this church, Lord, over this past year and and many years. And as we gather together tonight, uh, we want to remember and celebrate uh, some of how you've been working uh, and also, uh, Lord, dream and look ahead to this coming year. We ask that you would Holy Spirit, uh, guide and lead our time together tonight. May it be uh, encouraging. uh, May it be uh, challenging and and profitable for all of us that are gathered here this evening. So we thank you for our brothers and sisters, uh, for this church family. Lord, would you help us um, to exalt the name of Christ and to care for and love one another. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me share with you a few things. You'll see them on the screen of our purpose or objective for being together this evening. Uh, four things. Uh, we want to elect uh, two uh, members of ABF to serve on our nominating committee. Uh, and Our nominating committee is uh, the, the committee that uh, helps select Uh, officers of the church, elders, deacons, uh, other ministry leaders uh, to serve uh, in leadership. And so we want to select two of you to be part of that committee uh, that works on that. Uh, We also want to distribute the budget uh, that's been approved by the elders uh, so you can see that, and we'll have copies of that for you. We want to give you a building update, um, just to kind of let you know where we are uh, and kind of what the next step is. And then we also want to share and uh, think about uh, what is the Lord calling us to as ABF in 2013. Um, And so those are the four things that we're going to do this evening. I'm going to handle the first two of those. And then Paul Branch uh, is going to facilitate the building update and Q&A time. And then Scott Andrews is going to lead the fourth section. So Uh, We'll start with the nominating committee. As part of our bylaws, uh, we are required uh, to select two members of the congregation uh, to serve on the nominating committee. Um, And uh, we have, uh, basically we need to select four people, or nominate four people that we will then vote on, and you'll select two of those four. So we're going to nominate a total of four people tonight. Uh, We'll put their names on the screen after they are approved. Um, uh, motioned and approved and then uh, we'll have ballots that we'll hand out uh, that you'll get in just a minute uh, and you will select write down two of those ballots two names on the ballots for the nominating committee again uh, along with these two people that we're going to select tonight the elders uh, will appoint two additional people to serve on the nominating committee and so the committee is comprised of those four folks The two that we nominate tonight, two that the elder board will nominate or select, and then Scott Andrews, the senior pastor. So it's a total of five people that will end up serving on the nominating committee. Um, And this committee will suggest the people that will come to a vote for the congregation uh, later this spring, late spring, to serve as elders, deacons, and other church leaders. So uh, if I could, I'd like to... Uh, open the floor uh, for you to nominate uh, up to, we need four people that are uh, put on the screen uh, that would be uh, chosen from or voted on to serve on the nominating committee. Uh, they have, you have to be a member of ABF to serve on the nominating committee. So I, can I get someone to nominate someone? Yes. Okay. Is Bill here tonight? You agree to do that, Bill? Okay. So we have one motion to nominate Bill or And we have a second. Great. Yes? (laughs) Do do you agree to... if needed. So there's been a motion to nominate Jay Johnson to serve, and there's a second to that. Okay? These don't have to just be men, by the way. These can be women as well. Who else would you like to nominate for the vote? If you're at the door, feel free to come on in. We have seats on the side, uh, and this side especially over here. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, this committee uh, will uh, typically meet uh, several times um, uh, during the spring. Usually it's a few evenings um, that you'll get together uh, and this committee will work on uh, putting forth uh, the slate of candidates uh, to serve in the various uh, offices of leadership in the church. Um, So it's not a huge commitment, but it would be uh, probably a couple, two or three full evenings of your time. We need two more people that are proposed for the ballot. Yeah, you have to have a slate of four candidates that are voted on and two are selected from those four according to our bylaws. Unless you want to have a congregational meeting to change the bylaws and then vote on those. (laughs) Yes, Robbie. Cass is here somewhere, but I don't know if she will agree to that or not. She doesn't want to do that, okay? Yes, Todd. Susie Arnholt. Susie, Susie here? We want to... <laughs> 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 um, she's not here to agree to that, Um but uh, I think we can still put her on the ballot. So Susie Arnhold has been nominated and seconded. so. (laughs) So we need one more person. Anybody else want to nominate a fourth person to the ballot? Yes, Gerald. Barbara Hunsucker, where are you? W- will you agree to serve on that committee? Okay, she agrees. And there was a second. In. Okay. So uh, can I have a motion to close nominations? So move. Okay. So you're going to see these names on the screen. Um, and Michael Talley and whoever else, if you would begin distributing the ballots, uh, you're going to receive, if you are a member Uh, Please raise your hand uh, so that we can give you a ballot that looks like this. Um, And on the bottom of the ballot, there are two lines. Uh, We need you to write the names of two of these four people on the ballot uh, that you want to nominate to serve on the nominating committee. So Bill Arnett, Jay Johnson, Susie Arnholt, and Barbara Hunsucker. So if you don't have a pen, there should be white pens like this in the seat back in front of you. So while these are uh, being handed out, uh, let me make a plug or encouragement for church membership. Um, So if you're not a member of ABF, but you're a regular attender, um, we would love to encourage you to consider joining, becoming a member, Uh, one so that you can vote um, in uh, elections like this. Um, And also... uh, Typically, we've seen that when people are members, uh, they tend to be more committed to the church. Um, And so uh, we'd love to encourage you, if you haven't joined ABF, but you consider this your church home, uh, we'd like for you to go through the process of becoming a member. Uh, It's a short application, um, and then a conversation with a couple of elders um, to get to know you better, to uh, find out where you can plug in and serve, uh, and how we can minister to you. That's right, that's right. <laughs> did did all, all the members get a ballot? Any member, okay, they're coming. Any other members not have a ballot? Could I get the three folks who are here, these three folks, to stand up? Just so if people don't know your name, they can see your face. So if Jay Johnson over here, Bill Arnett in the back. And Barbara, here. So these are three of the four. Susie Arnholt, I don't think, is here. Um, So you're going to vote for two of these four. So if you would, go ahead and write down those names, if you haven't already, on your ballot. Write down two of those four names. Can I get a couple of elders to collect the ballots? Yeah, pass your ballots to the end of the row, if you would, when you're done. And they're going to eventually go to Daniel Job here in the blue shirt. Daniel is the church secretary, the secretary of the elder board. And so he will do the official count and tally, not during our meeting. but. Hey, Dan. Has everybody turned in your ballot? A few weeks ago, uh, while we're finishing collecting those, I made an announcement uh, in all three services uh, about uh, a process that we were beginning of looking for an executive pastor. And I said at that time that I wanted to, if you had questions about that, you could uh, talk to me or you could bring them to this meeting. So I want to honor that. And, and give space for anyone who uh, may have a question uh, about uh, why we're hiring an executive pastor or if you've had a question about that. So, um, if you have a question, uh, now is the time that you could ask that to us. I'm Michael Talley was my mic runner. Let me turn it on.
1: Yes, uh, could you explain what the uh, job description is of the executive pastor?
0: Um, short, yeah, shortly, it's uh, a position to serve with the senior pastor and overseeing uh, the management of uh, the church staff and office. Um, so uh, handling a, a lot of the day-to-day uh, office, administration, personnel, uh, human resources, they would oversee that aspect of the church. Um, And so as the church has grown, as the uh, staff has grown, um, Scott Andrews' job description um, hadn't changed from when the church was 300 or 350 to now over 1,000 regular attenders. Um, And so all that stuff fell under his job description. Um, And it was keeping him from doing things that the elders wanted him to concentrate on and focus on. And it was also, uh, the elders think that it was uh, limiting or inhibiting uh, how much uh, ministry capacity we had as a church. Um, And so uh, the executive pastor will uh, take some of those things off of Scott's job description, uh, will facilitate the office staff um, and the day-to-day management of them. The job description is posted on the ABF website uh, if you'd like to read it in full detail did I see a question back here
2: um, my my question is a sort of a follow-up to that question do you see this person having direct uh, spiritual ministry to the congregation or is it mainly just an administrative position
0: I would I would say it's both um, uh, it will be a lot of administration uh, but One of the reasons that we're calling an executive pastor and not an executive director, that's very intentional, um, is because it is going to be a pastoral position, Um, and so that person will have uh, pastoral ministry in the church. Um, Obviously, that will vary based on uh, the particular person that we hire and their qualifications and experience, but we do expect them to have uh, involvement in that. Any other questions before we move on? Yeah, Michael.
3: Will this in any way replace the business manager? Um, Will he also be carrying on the duties or she?
0: Yeah, one of the things that uh, we're going to do when we bring in the executive pastor um, is we're going to evaluate um, a number of or, or all of the kind of office positions of the church um, and to see um, can, how can they best function. Um, are there, is there any realignment that we need to do in terms of um, how our office is managed uh, and structured? So um, I guess the answer I, right now is I don't know, um, but it will be looked at uh, as well as uh, all of the office positions will be looked at to say, is there a better way that we can streamline things? Uh, are there some things that need to be changed or done differently? So we're going to look at that.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you can say just a little bit more about, I guess, a church of a certain size at some point probably needs a role like this. And in terms of best practices, is this something you looked at maybe other churches of this size and job positions that they might have, and just a little bit more about, you know, looking at our peers, so to speak, to determine if this is something that's happening in lots of other places, but just not here. Maybe we're way overdue for this. Maybe we're just at the right time. Just a little bit in sense of timing, how the decision was made.
0: Right. Um, Yes, we have looked at uh, a number of uh, different churches. We've actually consulted with a particular church um, in Charlotte, Um, as well, that has gone through a similar type of transition in the past. Um, We've talked with and kind of explored, uh, you know, when do churches typically hire an executive pastor? Um, And so uh, we are, uh, you know, kind of right on the edge in terms of if you look at the typical numbers of when a church hires an executive pastor, we're kind of right at that kind of beginning level. Um, and part of it was, um, we feel like we need, the elders feel like we needed, uh, someone to come in to help us, um, uh, do a better job in our management, uh, of staffing. And, uh, as we look towards hopefully completing this uh, new building, um, and, uh, Lord willing, the projected growth that we're going to have. So, uh, on average, uh, When you open a new building, uh, your attendance increases uh, somewhere along the lines of 25 to 30%, like next week kind of increase. Um, We can't handle that right now. Um, And so uh, part of this is addressing present need. Part of this is also looking to the future uh, and what the Lord is doing here at ABF.
1: I realize that you have uh, kind of uh, hit on it, but can you tell us, uh, understand the executive director, but talk about <clears throat> the pastor part of that title, and will this pastor, executive pastor, uh, be direct and the other pastors besides Pastor Scott?
0: Yeah, so typically uh, the way that we're, we're thinking about this is um, Scott Andrews, the senior pastor, and the executive pastor uh, will work very closely together, um, and so that um, the executive pastor will uh, oversee or supervise or manage whatever word you want to use um, the other pastors and staff here, um, and uh, and then but uh, we you can think about terms uh, right hand man or um, you know kind of uh, wing man. Kind of person. This is a person who works very closely with the senior pastor um, and frees the senior pastor up to focus on uh, things like teaching, spiritual leadership, uh, training, and, and equipping others for ministry. So, and so that's kind of where the pastoral piece comes in, especially.
3: Do you have a uh, an org chart that shows how the executive pastor would fit into the existing staff?
0: Um, we do not, I don't, we don't have it as part of the PowerPoint tonight. Um, and we're also um, kind of getting back to this other question about the business, business administrator, you know, piece. Um, we are redoing the org chart here at ABF. Um, and so uh, that, uh, I could show you an org chart tonight, um, but I couldn't say that that's definitely the way it's going to be four months from now. It'll be close to that. Uh, but as we bring this uh, person on, uh, we want to look at our uh, organizational structure and management uh, and see how we need to uh, adjust that. So, Just so you know, the, the present org chart has been um, Scott Andrews and everyone reporting to him. Uh, the, the, the staff pastors which we had five of, now four of, and then uh, office business manager, office personnel, a lot of those folks were reporting directly to him um, and really had more people reporting to him than he could supervise well, given all of his other duties here. Okay, thanks for the questions. Um, Final thing for me, uh, we have a copy of the 2013 budget uh, available tonight. Uh, they're on the back table uh, there uh, by Bill Arnett uh, and David Ellington there by the doors. Um, if you didn't get one when you came in, uh, feel free to pick a copy up uh, of the budget uh, back there uh, on your way out. Oh, good. They were all picked up. Um, so if, did anyone not get a copy of the budget that would like one? We'd be glad to get you a copy if we don't have enough here tonight. Anybody else need one? Just one, a couple over here, Jay. If you still don't have one by the time you leave here, um, President Elders, I hope you gave up your copy because you already have seen this. Um, if you don't have one by the time you leave here tonight, uh, let me know. Uh, yeah, we're going to put some extras on the back of the table back there. I'd like to call up Paul Branch um, to give our building update.
3: Thanks, John. It's good to see you here tonight. We uh, I hope you appreciate and enjoy looking at the new facility out here. We look forward to the time when we'll be able to meet in there and to use it to its fullest degree. As you remember, in uh, the end of 2011, we began a cam- or we had had a campaign uh, to construct and pay for this uh, facility Uh, we did not uh, weren't able to meet all the uh, pledges that were made and so we had to step back and reorganize and this time last year we brought a report that we had several different options Uh, if you'll remember at the end of uh, 2011 we had a steel structure uh, a poured floor but we didn't have any uh, uh, siding on that and, and you remember how that looked so we had brought to you several options uh, at the end of last year. Uh, One being do nothing, and we didn't decide to do that. Uh, Two was to finish it completely, and we didn't decide to do that. Uh, The three and four then were to finish uh, the classroom space, the outside, which had to be done first, and then finish the classroom space. Uh, We had an approval by the bank to borrow enough money to actually uh, finish the classroom space and the outside. But as we looked at that, we felt it would put us in a very tight position to be able to manage that financially. And so our decision as elders were to go ahead and finish completely the outside. And so that's where we are at this uh, point in time. So this past year, we uh, borrowed enough money uh, along with what you gave. Uh, I think there's a PowerPoint, but I don't know where it is and what what it says. Which way do I want to look here? So over uh, the last year, you faithfully gave, and I I just want to thank you for uh, your giving uh, for last year, both to the General Fund, uh, to Missions, and to uh, Growing for God's Glory. But with your giving of over $500,000 since a year ago in December, we have been able to finish the outside. We have... uh, a few minor things that need to be finished on that, so if you see some things that aren't quite complete, know that they will be completed at some point in time in the near future. But uh, we do uh, have uh, the end of the contract is, is up, and we uh, are not proceeding at this point. We borrowed, uh, actually, uh, we have about... more debt right now than we had at the end of last year. If you remember, we had uh, on this purchase of this original building and all of the infrastructure that we had to do to move in here and all that, about a half a million dollars that we still owed on that. Then we uh, borrowed about $700,000 to erect the steel and do the portion that was done at the end of 2011. And so uh, during this year, as you have given uh, and we borrowed, then we have borrowed about $800,000 more, a little less than that. And so now we are uh, somewhat uh, a little bit less than $2 million in debt. So what we would like to challenge you to do is to give sacrificially toward that during this year, and then hopefully uh, that sometime during the year, if we can see our way through uh with the gifts that come in, and we can start the next phase, which would be the classroom phase, and that way we'd be able to use utilize part of the building. Then the final uh, phase would be to complete the auditorium, and uh, we would be very excited about that. Have I said everything that's up there? Okay, so I guess it's time to ask if you have any questions, and we'll get somebody to give you an answer if we can It's just like the nominating committee. Everybody's silent. I see a hand. Michael. What would the uh, cost be to completely complete the structure as intended? I have had so many figures thrown at me, Scott, Would you. So a little over three three million dollars to completely do it. I had forgotten what that figure was. We've divided this so many times that originally I knew what it was going to cost to do it. Then we did this and this and this, and we had to phase it out. And so, uh, forgotten what that figure was. Any other questions? way over in the corner okay here we go what percentage of giving has been done right now with what we were anticipating at the beginning of the process well uh the original uh goal was 4.4 million dollars and we had um where is that figure scott i'm gonna pull on you again it's on the back of the. Is it on the back of the bulletin, or?
4: Yeah, we uh, the, the the very original uh, plan was to do about 4.4 million. We had 6.4 million dollars committed, but currently, uh, what has come in is about uh, uh, 2.5, 2.6 million dollars, and we so we've spent. Um, uh, doing the, the the architectural plans and the structure that you see out there, all of the new parking and things like that, we've spent water a and about sewer, water and sewer about two point eight million dollars thus far. Okay. Yeah. Let
3: right, get
2: Michael some roller skates. <laughs> This might be hard to answer, but if giving were to continue uh, at the current pace, is there a thought on when we'd be in the educational facilities and then a thought, you know, kind of best case scenario when we'd be in the worship? I know, you know, realizing God can do anything in, in any timing, but I'm just kind of curious at the typical pace we're going when we might realize use right. of those spaces.
3: If we're willing, uh, again, to borrow some more after we've paid down some of the debt, we're not gonna borrow any more at this point until at least maybe a half a million dollars. I think that probably we, when we make that decision to move forward, then probably six to nine months we can be in the educational space. Uh, but again, the starting point on that just uh, really depends on how the giving is. Any other questions? Is there one back there or are we through the one there?
1: Uh, looking at the uh, facilities budget, the
0: ABF mortgage, it's, it says $60,000. Uh, my question is how much of that will go towards principal versus interest?
3: Well, we, th- th- as you, you may not understand but this in our uh, general fund budget, What we have done is set aside $60,000 out of what's given to the general fund to use toward uh, the debt reduction. Uh, That's not enough to cover principal and interest on the uh, loan that we have. So we obviously have to continue to give to growing for God's glory. Uh, The percentage, uh, I can't give you an answer to that, just what the percentage would be. as we are, up, we're paying the interest on the loan, and all that we have uh, that comes in goes directly to the principal. But that's just five thousand dollars a month out of the general fund will be applied toward principal and interest. Yes. Right. No, uh, when you just turn in it, to give to the building program, it has to be specified uh, building program, growing for God's glory, or whatever uh, term you use. We have a number of different terms that are used, but uh, no, that nothing other than uh, the point he just made about the sixty thousand in the budget goes uh, uh, a portion of your gifts. Of course, funds that sixty thousand, but. There's not any percentage taken out toward the building program, no. on,
2: right here, Paul. Here
3: okay,
1: Robbie. Yeah, Paul, uh, so that we can understand it, I never understood it. And uh, I know that with the recession and everything, of the 6.2 or whatever yeah. it was promised, because of the recession and some of the pledges couldn't have been met, what percentage or how much of that money was it? How much of the 6.4? We, did we have to re uh readjust because the pledges could not be met the yeah big it, it, uh,
3: around four million just to be quite frank yeah and we're having to work through that that's the reason it's carrying us on uh, over a number of years we had anticipated being in the building by now but uh, we're not right Okay. If you have any other questions, we'll be glad to uh, answer them individually. Uh, come see us, give us a call, whatever. And now we are very grateful for our senior pastor and what's on his heart will challenge you, I'm sure. Thank you.
4: All right. Thank you, Paul. Um, I, I too want to say th- thank you so much for your, your giving. I, when I gave the update in December, I pointed out that 2012, in the midst of economic uncertainty, has been was really the best giving year that we had ever had. When you count everything together, was the best giving year we have ever had um, as a church, to include that over $500,000 that you gave uh, to, go, to Growing for God's Glory. And so th- we were able to, you know, that was about a $1.2 million uh, phase to do the outside, and so we only had to borrow, as Paul said, about seven or $800,000 more uh, because of the five, over five hundred thousand dollars that you get, it's fantastic. Um, the, the bank gave us uh, opportunity to borrow up to two point nine million. We said no; we're just not comfortable with two point nine. Our current a uh, little under two million dollars debt. I think uh, Paul is about a thirteen thousand dollars a month principal and interest when that kicks in. I think is about thirteen thousand dollars a month. So five thousand is budgeted from the general fund. So I have your general giving. Uh, five thousand is budgeted for that, so the other eight thousand. But we're averaging about that much per week in growing for God's glory. If you do the math, fifty-two weeks in a year, we we took in over um, five hundred thousand dollars. So we're we're very thankful for your sacrificial giving, and want to encourage you to do, to do that. K- keep keep on keep on giving. Yes, we we didn't meet the we did not meet the uh, the pledges, which means this is a family challenge that we've got to meet. And uh, Lord willing, uh, as Paul said, if we can reduce that debt, we can uh, we can borrow again. You know, banker goes to our church, so he likes us, and um, and we can maybe borrow again. And uh, but we don't want to we don't want to unduly handicap church ministry. We don't want to do that. And so. Um, we feel very comfortable with the amount of debt that we have now, but we don't feel comfortable going more than that. So as you give, then we can borrow more, and you know, just kind of manage that. And then the next phase would be to, uh, of course, to move into that educational space, which would be fantastic. It'll give us that foyer and just a lot more room. And so we're very, very uh, excited about that. But uh, enough um, on on the building. I want to take just the next few minutes, and it might be more than a few minutes. Uh, uh, to do the the, the following, um, I want us to talk about as a church our, um, our our outreach to this community, but but very especially to those who seem to have a, a special place in God's heart. <clears throat> Some people call this social justice, I'm going to call it biblical justice because I'm going to define it, and gospel compassion. This is what I believe God is calling us to do um, for this year and and beyond, to be focused on biblical justice. And you'll understand what I mean by that in just a minute. Second thing I want to do is I want to celebrate um, some of the things that are already being done in our church in terms of biblical justice and gospel compassion because there is a lot that is already being done that we need to celebrate. And then the third thing is I want to share an intentional plan that we've come up with for biblical justice and gospel compassion um, for this year that will include, Lord willing, all of us as we seek to reach out to this community. So what does the Bible say about caring for the marginalized people Of our society, that is, does God have a special place in His heart for the elderly, the weak, uh, the the, the sick, the the poor, the orphans, the widows, what the scriptures call what the scriptures call strangers and aliens that we call immigrants? Does the Scripture communicate that God has a special place in His heart um, for them? And 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 if and if it does, are there commands? That, that we do the same. That is that we have a special place and place a special focus on reaching these people specifically by meeting their physical needs and their spiritual needs with the gospel of Christ. And some of you about right now are thinking, oh, wow, Scott has gone liberal because we make this caring for the poor a, a, a liberal agenda, which is frankly an atrocity. Is caring for the needs of humanity, specifically needful humanity, is that liberal or is that biblical? I don't have the time this evening to unpack uh, this completely, but I I do believe that there is a resounding affirmation in the Scripture that, that there is a place for caring for physical needs. All people are important to God, but He does seem to have a special care for those that society ignores. And one of our problems regarding this issue is that we have divided along so-called conservative and liberal lines. Liberal branches of Christianity, if I can use that term loosely, focus on meeting the physical needs of people, and, and sometimes they do ignore the spiritual needs. In fact, it is true, it is true that some mainline denominations, in fact, have abandoned orthodox Christianity, suggesting For example, that Jesus died as an example for us of how we should give up our lives um, for one another. That, of course, is, well, that's just wrong-headed. That's that's wrong. But the conservative branches of Christianity, um, of which we are a part, I I think we would say that, uh, we have focused too much of the time solely on spiritual needs. That is, people's great need of the gospel, and we should do that. But have we diminished the importance of meeting physical needs. I'm going to suggest that I think that we have. And so then we end up spending time pointing fingers uh, at each other. Granted, we are to primarily focus on the Great Commission uh, and and the gospel of Jesus Christ. But is there not also a place for us to care for the physical needs of people? Yes, as we meet physical needs, it will open the door for us to share Christ. We say it this way we can build bridges of love that support the weight of truth. You see, I want to suggest that there is a biblical place for intentionally meeting both physical and spiritual needs. I don't think it needs to be an either or, I think it should be a both and. So, what does the Bible say about caring for the poor? Whether they're elderly or orphans or widows or sick or economically poor, disadvantaged, oppressed, strangers, aliens, immigrants, what does the Scripture say? In his book, Generous Justice, uh, Pastor Tim Keller, Redeemer Presbyterian Church up in Manhattan, says, Most people know that Jesus came to bring forgiveness and grace. Less well known is the biblical teaching that a true experience of the grace of Jesus Christ inevitably motivates a man or woman to seek justice in the world. It goes hand in hand. And then he goes on to explain that biblically, justice is not just punishing wrongdoers. You see, this is one of our challenges. We think of justice as punishing wrongdoers, uh, 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 of, of throwing people in jail. That's justice. But positively speaking, justice, from a scriptural perspective, is righting the wrongs of social injustice, which means meeting the needs of. Of the marginalized and uh, disenfranchised of society. This is what Scripture means by justice. Even the great theologian and pastor Jonathan Edwards, uh, not our Jonathan Edwards, you know, just got out of college. But um, 1700's Jonathan Edwards, who was one of the prime movers of the Great Awakening, said... Where have we any command in the Bible laid down in stronger terms and in more peremptory, urgent manner than the command of giving to the poor? It's there. It's all over the place. And I'm concerned that we've missed it. Consider, for example, these verses that I will cite with very little or no commentary. You will be thankful. <laughs> Micah 6, 8, we all know it. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice. And coupled with that, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And again, the biblical understanding of justice is not just righting the wrongs of legal injustice. It is not just punishing wrongdoers and criminals, but righting the wrongs of social injustice. Not just dealing with legal injustice, but dealing with social injustice. Actively seeking to meet the social needs of those around us. This idea of justice means to give people, when, when Micah says do justice, it means to give people their basic rights, to treat people equitably. God wants us to do this kind of justice, to do it with mercy and to walk humbly as we do so. Some more verses, Proverbs 31, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. You kind of get this idea that justice is defending the rights of needy people. Zechariah chapter 7. Thus has the Lord of hosts said, Dispense true justice and practice kindness. Isn't that interesting how that goes together? And compassion to each his brother. And do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor. You see how justice is is used in a verse that talks about taking care of poor people and orphans and widows? What does the stranger, the poor look like in our society today? Again, I want to suggest it's the refugee, the immigrant, the homeless, the economically disadvantaged, the poor, the elderly. And by the way, there are dozens of verses that I could share tonight. Dozens, dozens and dozens that talk about this. And this evening, can I be very honest, I'm not even going to talk about things, the international challenges. I'm going to just talk about our own societal challenges. But I'm not even going to talk about the international challenges like clean water and basic nutrition and medications that we take for granted. And the AIDS epidemic in certain parts of the world. Or the slave trade, either the uh, uh, slave labor or the sex slave trade. I believe that we as Christians ought to be leading the fight Against these things. Yeah. But, but, but tonight, um, we're going to get to those. But tonight I want to focus on how we need to be starting right here in this community. And how, let me share a few more verses of how this attitude reflects the very character of God. Psalm chapter 146. Who, and he's speaking of God, he's answering a question. Who executes justice for the oppressed? God gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the strangers. That's the immigrants. He supports the fatherless and the widow. This is, has a special place in his heart. Deuteronomy chapter 10. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. The great, the, the, the mighty, the awesome God who does not show partiality. He didn't care who you are. He didn't take a bribe. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow. You see how this executes justice? He's not taking care of their wrongdoing. He's meeting basic needs of the orphan and the widow. and shows love for the alien by giving them food and clothing. If our Father, if this is His character, should it not be our character? One more, Jeremiah 9, we all know it, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and not, let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this that understands and knows me. And that's normally where we stop, but the verse actually goes on. That I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, and I delight in these things. I delight when my people do these things. And justice, the word mishpat in the the Hebrew, it is this idea of caring for the needs of people. So you say, okay, 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 we get that. But isn't that all Old Testament? Good question, glad you asked. What does the New Testament say about caring for people? Especially the poor, the needy, the orphan, and the widow. When Jesus was asked by followers of John the Baptist, our, John, John had been arrested and, 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 and they send, uh, John sends his followers, to ask Jesus, are you really the Messiah or do we look for another? In Matthew chapter 11 we read, Jesus answered and said to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. This verse tells me that Jesus took special notice of the sick and the poor. When we studied together as a church through the book of Matthew, we saw over and over that Jesus cared for those the religious did not. And I am concerned that conservative Christianity has overlooked those Jesus took special note of. Sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, Gentiles, Samaritans, soldiers, women, widows, the children the lepers, the poor, think about it, in his coming, two societal pariahs, two groups of people that were not even allowed to give testimony in a court of law were called to be witness of both his birth and his resurrection, shepherds and women. Consider what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14. And he also went went on to say to the one who had invited him, He'd been invited over for a dinner. When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return. Eh, Good for you. And that will be your repayment. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Does Jesus have a special place in his heart for the disenfranchised and marginalized of society? I believe that he does. There's also the story of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10. I won't take the time to read it. You're no doubt familiar with it. The point is, in response to the command, love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus was asked, well, come on, who's my neighbor? Certainly you don't expect me to to love everybody, do you? This is the idea of the question, and Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, a man who cared for the physical needs of another, regardless of race race. And class and even religion, Jesus tells a story to illustrate that all people all are, are our neighbors and we have the responsibility to care for physical needs whenever we have the opportunity to do so. And I believe that he's calling us to just that end. God has given us instructions to care, to care with the gospel, of course, but also to care with the physical, financial, and material resources that he has provided for us. In 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 9 or 10, he says he blesses us so that we can in turn be a blessing. That's why he's giving you money. This brings me to the second thing. That's the first thing, biblical basis. Second thing I I, I want to do tonight, I want to celebrate that there are already those in our church who have been caring very intentionally for the poor, the disenfranchised, the marginalized in our society right here in Boone. We don't have to go around the world to find these kinds of people. And I don't in any way want to imply that we have not been doing these things. The truth is we have. So let me give you a brief incomplete list as a sampling, knowing that as I do so, I'm likely going to um, irritate somebody who I left off the list, or, and, and forgive me in advance for doing that. But let me just, as I thought about it, I talked with Doug about it, and he gave me some, some lists. Um, look at these. We have a food pantry that is regularly stocked and regularly accessed, and we should. We have an active benevolence funds, fund that meets the needs of people both inside and outside the church to the tune of around $75,000 a year. We should. We have, we, we've had youth and other groups involved in the hospitality house, Habitat for Humanity, and Operation Christmas Child. And let me not overlook the ministry of Samaritan's Purse, ministry to people around the world through Operation Christmas Child, projects and international relief, world medical mission. I know that that's not technically a ministry of our church, but many attend here and many of our people are involved in those ministries, and we should celebrate that. Similarly, there is the ministry of Hope Pregnancy Center. Many here in our church are involved providing love and counsel and resources to women in unplanned, uh, in unplanned pregnancies as well as in post-abortion care. Many of you, many of you give both time and money to this great ministry. I do, and I will continue. Some of you are aware of Green Street Catering, headed by Hal and Chastel which provides a hot meal. Will you listen to this? Provides a hot meal every Thursday, served right out of our own kitchen upstairs for between 400 and 600 people every week. Did you know that? Over the holidays, they served hundreds of food baskets for Thanksgiving and Christmas. We need to know about that. We need to celebrate that more. We need to be involved in that. Freedom Farm is a ministry which provides housing, discipleship, and loving care for men in recovery from addiction. And since its inception, I think this number is right, uh, but Rita can help me, Um, over 1,400 men. Is that right? 1,400 men have been involved in this program. We need to celebrate that. We need to be involved in that. Speaking of recovery ministry, Carries Home for Women is in the process of being started by John and Michelle Lundgren. They hope to have their first resident by the end of the summer. Then there's the next, the Women's Transition Ministry that is being started with Nanette Franklin at the helm. This is a ministry designed to help women post-prison, post-jail, post-homelessness, post-addiction, to teach them life skills and, of course, to teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to know about that. We need to celebrate that, and we need to be involved in that. Um, We have Yoke Fellows um, prison ministry headed by Daniel Dean and others. We have a nursing home ministry headed by Leon and Mary Hodges. There is what Doug calls the Better or Beater Vehicle Donation Ministry. Only Doug would come up with Better or Beater. (laughs) We had Listen, we have had dozens of older but reliable vehicles donated to the church, which in turn have been given to needy families. Do you know that? Finally, our life group strategy, you remember that we rolled out this last summer, is threefold. To belong, become, and bless. To belong uh, to a group of people, to become together more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. But then that's just blessing the blessed because the, the third part was blessed and it isn't just blessing us, it's blessing the community. And many life groups have found ways to invest very intentionally in this community. Now I want you to think about that list. Caring for the poor with food and benevolence. Caring for men and women post-addiction and even post-prison. Caring for those in prison. Caring for the elderly. I know that we have other outreach ministries in this church. It would take me a a while to name them. But right now, I've just focused on ministries that are doing biblical justice and gospel compassion, caring for the marginalized and disenfranchised of our society. We have lots of them. And I'm not sure how many of you know um, all of them. I don't even know all of them. So here's my plan over the next few months. Here's my plan. Uh, we are going to ask people involved in those ministries to share their stories with you. We're going we're gonna to give them time to share their stories. Let me tell you about a person I met at a nursing home. Leon and I have already had this discussion. Let me, let me tell you about this ministry that, 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 well, here, that you can be involved in because here's the bottom line. We want to inform and invite. We want to inform you about these ministries that are going on and invite you to join us to care for people, lots of individual ministries are going on at Alliance Bible Fellowship. We want you to know about them. we want you to participate in them. which brings me to my last and final topic. We want to continue to encourage biblical justice and gospel compassion. and so we have decided and it's called you know, we just I just threw up their vision to 2013. I don't, that's not what it's going to be called because Steve Colley come up with something much better than that. We've decided corporately, churchwide this year for this to be our focus. What do I mean? Think about this with me. Every year, we have a number of churchwide events. And let me be clear, there is nothing wrong with our church-wide events. For example. We've regularly had talent nights, lots of fun, lots of laughs. We have church picnics. We have Thanksgiving dinners, things like that. Again, nothing wrong with them. But what we have decided to do very intentionally this year is to plan three churchwide events to reach people very intentionally in our community. So I want to encourage you right now. I'm just going to go through them because uh, I am at this point going to inform you and invite you To participate, okay? I'm going to be very clear. I have clipboards. (laughs) And I'm going to inform you now and invite you to commit. First event will take place sometime in the late, late winter or early spring. We are thinking about planning a dinner for our local law enforcement departments, our fire departments, and first responders, EMTs, things like that. And we're going to do that because, because they serve us, but particularly because of what they've experienced the last couple of years. And we want to thank them for serving us. And it's actually going to be twofold. We, we want to have them in our place, and we want to feed them. We're, we're, no strings attached. And it's not going to be a bait and switch. We just want to thank them for serving us Well in the way that they have served us at great sacrifice and then second thing we're going to do is we're going to ask them how you're out in the community how can we serve you and serve our community think about it with me what would it be like if the fire department responds to a a fire and a family loses everything which has happened in this community oh I think this last weekend. What would it be like for them to make a call to Alliance Bible Fellowship and we show up with food and clothing and and places for them to stay? That's the first event. You think about that. Second event will take place sometime in late spring or early summer. It's my personal favorite. I want us to have a church-wide garage sale right here. I want you, between now and then, To be thinking very intentionally of some things, necessary items is what I'm thinking about that you would like to donate. Let me say very kindly, I don't want, we don't want your junk. In fact, the next time you go to buy a, a, a new pair of pants, buy two. Keep one for the garage sale. I want to cover, sometime late spring, early summer, I want to cover this parking lot with goods for people. Here's the cool part. We're going to advertise this garage sale through places like Hospitality House, Freedom Farm, Green Street. We're going to invite people and promise that it's going to be very affordable. Something like we haven't decided completely because we don't have names on the clipboard yet. But when you decide, something like here's a grocery bag, fill it for a dollar. Now, I know immediately some of you are coming up with some questions because we did. Like, won't people take advantage of us? Yeah. <laughs> Not my problem. Some people will. They'll come fill up bags, go down the street, set up another garage sale. <laughs> but we know that people will come who cannot even afford goodwill. You, my, my wife is... Re- my wife, every once she encourages me to read a book and then reads it to me. You know, like, I don't have, to, I don't have to read it. You just read the whole thing to me. But she's reading a book, and she, this book suggests that Goodwill is a place for us middle-class people to go and exchange our stuff, and that really poor people can't afford it. Another, another, another question. But, but I have items that... Are, what if I have items that aren't necessary items? That, but, but, you know, I can get behind this. I, I like to donate. I got an extra TV. Not really necessary. Here's the plan. Got it. We got that covered. We're going we're gonna to sell those items, maybe for a little bit more than a buck, and give the proceeds to a, necess, to a needed ministry. I want to be very clear. None of the money that we collect, a buck, a bag, whatever, none of the money we collect is going to go to our building fund. It's going to go to Caring Ministries. Finally, third event we have planned has to do with our church picnic. I love our church picnics. They're lots of fun at the high school. But we're going to do a couple of things differently. First, we're going to try and do it in the sun. Yeah. We're, we're going we're to we're try. I'm just kidding about that one. It's, it's, well, what we're going to try to do is we're going to look for ways through those channels that I just mentioned, uh, Green Street, things like that, to intentionally invite, now, now listen to me. I'm giving you plenty of warning to intentionally invite marginalized people of our area and feed them a hot meal meal, and sit and talk with them and actually develop relationships and who knows, maybe even share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord willing, then we will come together at our Thanksgiving dinner with some real stories of Thanksgiving to share about people whose lives have been changed this year, because we have intentionally focused on caring for people that God has a special place for. Now, I know you have lots of questions. I'm not opening it up for questions. Because I've told you everything that I know. This is what I want to call us to you this year. I want to inform you about the ministries that we already have in the coming months and invite you to participate. How? Can you guys use help on Thursday nights with Green Street Catering? Okay. I want to invite you to participate. And then I want to invite you this evening to commit to one or more. We won't limit you. To commit to one or more of these church-wide events that we have Planned. My, it's just an idea. We're hoping that these teams will put meat on the skeletons of, of what I've shared and then keep the rest of us informed as we get closer to these times. So here's what we're going to do as we're close. We're going to do two things, and, I, and, and we're done. We're going to do two things. First, the following people. Go to the next slide. The following people. Is, is, is David here? You're here. Yeah. The, he, <laughs> You remember how we nominated Susie Arnholt? <laughs> he wasn't at our last staff planning day. <laughs> this is the first time he knew this. <laughs> the, following, the following people have agreed to handle the sign-up. That's it, all right? And so I'm going to ask David, who's taking care of the uh, churchwide garage sale. And David, you can put my name right on the list. I'm going to ask you to come right over here, Linda, where's Linda? Yeah, go ahead and come on up. Linda's taking care of the picnic because she does that for us anyway. I'm sorry, I'm Hop along, girl. And then, surprise. <laughs> surprise. And then Doug is going to handle the sign-ups for the community dinner because, well, he knows everybody in the community. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. We're going to close in prayer right now, but we're going to do it together, Okay. Um, and then after um, uh, after we all pray together, I- I'll close us. And then I'm going to invite you. If there's one of those that kind of tickled your fancy, um, uh, uh, bless you. Um, hey, how many were in third service this morning? Oh man, you know. Remember when I? <laughs> it was so funny this morning. This morning I'm talking about how you can't say you lo- love Jesus but you don't lo- but you don't like the church. You- you're a liar. And I said it maybe with a little bit of enthusiasm, uh, maybe with a little bit of passion. I said, you're a liar. And this little boy over here to my right said, liar. <laughs> I don't know if he was agreeing with me or calling me a liar. <laughs> but it, it, was, it, was just, it was fantastic. Okay. So, thank you, Rebecca. That reminded me of that. Okay. So, um, What we're going to do is we're going to pray together, and I want us to pray very specifically about this focus this year. I want us to pray together that we can reach people with the gospel, and we can reach people by meeting physical needs. And I want to tell you that I hope and I pray that this is just a start for us, and that we can start meeting some of those international needs. Because I believe God is calling us to do that. Then after I close this in prayer, then you can beeline to whichever person that you want spread here across, or all three of them. I don't care. David's got... You put my name, right? Uh, and my name's on there uh, for the garage sale. I think it's going to be so fun. And uh, So I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet. And I want you to gather right there where you are. Just turn around with, in groups of 6, 8, 10, 12, I don't care. Gather in, in, in groups and pray for these outreaches. Somebody lead out in prayer, two or three, you pray, and after a couple minutes, I'm going to close this, okay? Father, how great it is uh, to have been uh, gathered with your people tonight, Um, and it it doesn't get any better than ending this way, gathered in circles, praying um, for this community that you would give us opportunity to touch it with physical needs uh, met. And to touch it with the gospel. I, I, I believe, much like in Acts 4, I think it is, that you would shake this building. Because I believe that you're pleased with this focus. Uh, as we prayed together, I, Doug just prayed. And I, I want to repeat. You, you, you exampled this. When you came and stepped into the messiness of our lives to rescue us in the person of your son. So so now we're going to follow him. We're going to step into the messiness because that's what this ministry, kind of ministry will mean. We're going to step into the messiness of lives and and, and bring hope and healing and forgiveness and grace through Christ. We pray this all in his name. Amen. Okay, a couple of things. Thank you, first of all, for being here tonight. Secondly, we do have to stack the chairs because the crew is going to be here tomorrow to glue this sucker down, and so that's a good thing. So we need to stack the chairs, if you can help us, but also don't forget to come sign up, all right? I want papers filled. Thanks for being here. Let's get to work. Come
2: set your rules.